This is a podcast for curious readers. Welcome back, my podcast friends, to another episode of Book Pros. And I, of course, am Kristen, here again with you today on a beautiful summer day in June. And I'm recording from the back room at our house and trying frantically to finish several podcast recordings and editing and pack for a beach trip and just generally keep our lives together. (laughs) If any of you are in the same boat, especially moms out there juggling and dads, whoever is in charge of summer schedules, just God bless us all. (laughs) It's just pure chaos over here most of the time in the most fun way. But anyway, back to the podcast. We have a super fun episode for you this morning. I got to sit down this past week and talk with New York Times bestselling author Stephen Rowley. And so I'm so excited for you to hear that uh, conversation I had with him because he was just a pleasure to talk with. But before we get to that, I want to go over a couple things happening at the shop this week. So first of all, on Tuesday, June 27th, which I know isn't technically this week, it's next week, but I won't be here next week. So on Tuesday, June 27th, we have our monthly Tarot Tuesday gathering from 6 to 9 p.m. in the shop. Again, this is a discussion and a social gathering open to currently practicing readers of tarot, all experience levels. We do ask that you RSVP and sign up just so we can plan because there's usually, uh, we'd like to know how many people are coming. So if you sign up on our website, you can go to aaronsbooks.com and just click on our events and then RSVP right on there. And that is Tuesday, June 27th at from 6 to 9 p.m. Also, did you know that you can shop online at Aaron's Books? From the newest best-selling titles to old out-of-print favorites from when you were a kid and soon we're going to have store swag on there as well so if you go to www.aaronsbooks.com and click on the link that says shop you'll be able to find all your local indie bookstore needs and support support local indie bookstores what could be better than that stephen rowley is the new york times best-selling author of lily and the octopus a Washington Post notable book of 2016, and also one of my favorites, spoiler alert. And also, he's the author of The Editor, named by NPR as one of the best books of 2019. He's the author of The Gunkle, a Goodreads Choice Award finalist for 2021, novel of the year, and winner of the 22nd Thurber Prize for American Humor. Today, he's here with me to discuss his newest title, The Celebrants, which is a Today Show read with Jenna Book Club pick. His fiction has been published in 20 languages. All of his books, if you can believe it, and you'll understand why after hearing this conversation, all of his books are in development for feature film or television adaptation. The Celebrants is available for purchase in our shop or online at aaronsbooks.com. It's a great nostalgic beach read. I can't wait for some of you to read it so we can talk about it. All right, let's get into it. Here is Stephen Rowley. Hi, so nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. Thank you Hi. for oh, I'm sure some, I'm, some for, I'm sure at some point Lily and the octopus will come up because that's my Oh, yeah. I'm gonna take I'll show you this for a second. Here here's Lily right here. Oh, there's Oh gosh. We I lost um my my buddy. I don't know if you, he's there's pictures of him everywhere, but um he died in 2020. He was 15. Oh. And uh he was I'm trying to think when I read Lily and the Octopus, I think he was so he was 15. So, so I guess he was probably like maybe 11 or 12 at that point. And I was, it was right at that point where I'm like, I know it's coming. 
I know it's creeping up and yeah. yeah. So, so, but I, God, I love that. I, I love that story. So anyway, oh, <laughs> yes, I recommend it to like everybody who loves dogs, but I always say like, just beware, like it will destroy you. <laughs> yeah. And I quick. never know whether to recommend the book, like in this, you know, in the, if someone's in the throes of going through that yeah. loss, like some people find it very helpful um, in that. And some people absolutely can't touch it at that yeah. moment. And I'm like, I completely understand, but yeah, it's one of the magic of books. They'll wait for you. I until agree. You're it's, ready. I still, I'm it's, I will reread it at some point, but I, I am just now reaching the point where I can talk about my, my dog without like just losing it and that's you know three years oh, on so yeah <laughs> i've gone through that loss again since lily oh no and, um, i'm and, sorry uh, and now we have two two more dogs uh okay so what just, kinds uh they're both rescues so they're both okay. mixed one is a shepski which is a mix between okay. a shepherd and a husky and, and a big dogs for the first time and one uh i thought was a cute little terrier mix as a puppy <laughs> and then i took her to the vet the first day and they were like oh she looks like an irish wolfhound oh no which is way like a horse yeah my parents have one <laughs> <laughs> and so and he is a horse yeah and uh so she she mixed with something though, so she's not okay. Quite oh, that's great. That big, but she, that's what she looks like. Oh wow, really? Wow, that's wow. <laughs> but I'm on a book tour, so I missed them. I missed oh them. yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here with me because, I'm, yeah, like yeah. I said, I'm a huge fan. So we're here today to talk about the celebrants, which I absolutely loved, and I've been talking to all of my coworkers and everything about it because I keep I keep saying like it's it's a great summer beach read because it has that vibe, but also it's so much deeper than that. And I want to talk a little bit about how you mix all of it because you do such a good job of like mixing the depth and the humor and just like the humanity of everything, which I really enjoyed reading it. So um, I loved reading this too, because I, I think we're sort of similar age. I think I'm maybe a little bit behind you, but not by much, maybe like three years. <laughs> um, and I can't tell you how much I loved this and also needed this kind of story because my husband and I and all of our friends right at our age have been like just sitting down together and being like, what is life? <laughs> like, what are we, <laughs> what's happening and what, what's happening? And this is not kind of what we thought it was going to be at this point in our lives. So can you lay out the story for us of the celebrants and just explain the characters and what happens a little bit? Sure. And I do. Yeah, I absolutely will. And I do think that was one of the biggest myths when we were younger. You know, we were yeah. sold some vision that adults have it all figured out. And I'm not <laughs> sure that that's the case uh, the older I get. But yeah, yeah. so the uh, the celebrants is about a group of college friends from the class of 1995 who um, right before graduation lose one of their own to suicide. And after attending his funeral and hearing all the incredible things said about him, wonder if he weren't there to hear these uh, eulogies if he might have not made mm -hmm. a different choice. And so they make a pact in that moment because they're about to spread, you know, to the, yeah. you know, to the wind after graduation and to, to reassemble at a moment's notice uh, at each friend's lowest point in life and throw them their funeral while they're still alive to yeah. it and hear uh, the things that are said. And hopefully that reignites us, you know, a spark for, for living. Yeah. Uh, and so I do think, you know, as you say, it's a it's, it's kind of a great uh, beach read because uh, it takes place largely uh, in Big Sur, in uh, mm -hmm. Puerto Vallarta, and these sort of wonderful um, beachside. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm just thinking of all of the little trips they take together during the living funerals they have. And just oh, we'll get into that. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so. 
I, yeah, I, I sort of wanted it to feel kind of aspirational, you know, and then mm -hmm. over, you know, in terms of the, the travel and the destinations and, and yeah. whatnot. But that was sort of the fun with it, because, you know, having fun with this pact a little bit, it does sort of start to lose its seriousness over the decades. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody gets a destination uh, yeah. funeral, as you were, someone gets a surprise funeral, <laughs> and then and then yeah. something happens that underscores the original seriousness uh, yeah. of the pact. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in each one and it's and they're all so different and speak to such shifts and changes that everybody, I think, to some degree at some point goes through in their adult life, which, you know, some people you have. So I haven't gotten to some of them yet and some of them I'm very familiar with. So <laughs> but um, why we talked a little bit about Lily and the octopus and, and after reading the celebrants too, like this, you talk a lot about death and dying in your stories mm -hmm. to some degree. So why, what inspired this one? We talked a little bit about Lily and, um, and I, I, I fully understand that that depth of grief with losing your, your baby, your pet, your whatever. <laughs> um, what is it with this story? Is, is it just like a growing with you? And this is the story of this time in your life. And yeah, I, you know, a couple of things I do keep revisiting. Uh, I think, I think sort of grief is a recurring theme mm -hmm. and yet I think my books hopefully are very funny. They're sort they of are. comedies <laughs> about grief, yes. which, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's the right mix, but, um, you know, to try to attempt to, to make someone laugh out loud, you know, particularly in novel format yeah. and also get them to cry. Each one is mm -hmm. a high bar, you know, it's a high yes. degree of difficulty. And somehow I keep attempting both, which I must be a a glutton for punishment or something. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Lily is about, you know, sort of losing a, losing a dog, losing a, mm -hmm. an, an animal and, and the, the re the very real grief that comes yes. from, um, losing, um, those relationships, mm -hmm. um, the gunkle in terms of losing a partner, mm -hmm. losing a mom. Yeah. Um, and now this, like losing a friend, I do think, uh, one, I was inspired, you know, early in the in, in the pandemic when we were at yeah. shelter at home and looking, you know, like everybody, I was scrolling through Netflix and looking for for movies, um, something that I had a passing familiarity with that might bring some comfort, um, but I didn't know that well. And I stumbled on The Big Chill, which is uh, okay. a movie from the early yeah. 80s about a group of college friends who who reunite after the death of you know of one of their their own, and um, it's mm -hmm. sort of about middle aged. Mm -hmm. uh, we and in what the back half of their lives are going to look like and I was struck because all the characters in the movie are 35 years old and uh, I was like <laughs> you know as someone who was facing their 50th birthday you know I was like that's this is not comforting this is not comforting to me yeah uh, at all but I started you know thinking about it and the, and the title the big chill in that movie referred to that sort of middle portion in life where you have you know, you're apt to be married, you might have your kids, mm -hmm. you owned a home, which is something people used to be able to do, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you had maybe one job and you mm -hmm. were posting to a pension and not a yeah. lot changed in that middle part of life. And now I was struck by how different that is. Like yes. people may have more than uh, one marriage or a blended family. Certainly we have a lot of room for reinvention and more jobs and more careers. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't work for one company anymore. Right. And this this middle part is where there's a lot of still yeah. growth and figuring things out. And that's where, you know, yeah. some really great story um, yeah. lies. And then Coupled with that, I did lose one of my best friends um, from college to mm -hmm. breast cancer uh, a few years Sorry. back. And there, there is something about losing a close contemporary for the yeah. first time that I think gets you to question your own mm -hmm. uh, mortality and where your life is and, 
and where you still hope that it goes. I agree. I, I think that's one of the reasons, and I, I didn't know that. I'm so very sorry to hear about your friend. I, I went through breast cancer treatment in two, 2012 um, when I was 32. And it was, mm. um, yeah, it changes. I think I, one of my questions in here, this question about death and dying, I think I think about it a lot more than probably other people my age, especially when I was younger in my 30s. I think about it a lot more and that's why. And I think you're right. Like when, when that happens, the first time that happens either for yourself or someone very close to you, that's around your age, mm -hmm. it, it is mm -hmm. kind of a like, yikes, yet all of this ends sooner sometimes than we want it to. And that this story, it made me, it made me uh, want to call all my college friends, which we just had them over a couple of weeks ago. Well, I love that. Cause I do think there's going to be um, a, a lot of, conversation among artists and writers about how we're going to reflect upon the past few years that we've just come through, right? And I've conveniently skipped the years 2019 to 2023, in, <laughs> you know, in this book, because that's my prerogative. I'm not ready yeah. <laughs> to go there. But the idea of telling people in your life what they mean to you now, um, yes. while they're still here, is very much a reaction to the past few years, I think. You know, we've all lost something, even if it's not um, a person, yeah. although we did lose a lot of people. Um, we've certainly lost time. Mm -hmm. you know, and we've lost togetherness, the ability to be together. That's and so true. we're all kind of grieving something. So, so yeah. writing this book, which is a very much about coming back together in celebration, yeah. um, uh, you know, was kind of joyful mm -hmm. uh, in this moment. And I do think a, a response to what we've, you know, endured these past few years. Yeah, I I think like the, what, what binds these friends together and, and the one character that kind of comes up with the pact in, in my mind, she's the, she's like the most conventional of the characters, mm -hmm. Marielle. Mm -hmm. And she, um, I was struck very much by the traumatic event that you talk about right at their college graduation, the suicide of their friend. And there are secrets within that as well that kind of come out in the story later. Um, but they were so young as, as everybody usually is when they're graduating college. Mm -hmm. And you're heading off into this terrifying unknown. And then also they're, they're strapped with this trauma and they all go off and kind of how that trauma informs their own decisions and how they they go off into the world. Um, and then how they come back together. It's like nothing, no time has passed. They're just the same college people. They're still their same 20 something version of themselves when they come back together. And I think what you do so well in this is that you balance the trauma and the humor, which is so true. I feel like in those moments, I am I am the friend that will laugh at the inappropriate things at the wrong moments, <laughs> yeah. or like make yeah. a make a joke at a sad time, and then be like, oh, whoops. <laughs> um, but I think college friendships are so unique, and the, this set of characters in the story, they're bonded by something so deep that it's almost like, I think Marielle, at one point Jordan says to her in her, at her funeral, you're out ahead of us. You're the first one. She feels terrible because she's the first one. She made the pact. She made up, made it up. <laughs> and and she's, she's the first, the first one, one to trigger it. Yeah. go. And it's, it's her, her marriage is falling apart. And she's kind of like, what am I doing now at this, in the second half of my life, all of these identities I had are now kind of like in the past. And I don't know what to do going forward. And, um, he's is saying you're you're out there ahead of us and but when they come together <laughs> their ability to just like 
love and appreciate who they each are in those, like even the annoying stuff that they did when they were in their twenties that they still do now in their forties or thirties or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I, why do you, what is it about college friendships that you think I've been thinking about this a lot? Cause I have some, a couple friends from high school that I still talk to, but my main friends are college friends that I have. I don't know if that's true for you. Yeah. What do you think that is? Until I wrote this book, we'll see, you know, we'll see if they remain (laughs) my friends, you know, God help you if you're related to or friends with a writer, you know, we are are sponges. So little details (laughs) to, to sort of seep in from real life. Um, I do think there's something important and it, look, it doesn't have to be college friends. For some people, it may be siblings, True. it might be cousins, yeah. it might be grade school friends, or, but the idea of someone who's known you for a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, when you had youthful dreams, you know, before <laughs> the pieces of, you know, all our dreams are dead. Uh, yes, no. before life <laughs> beat you into it, yeah. yes. <laughs> life beat you into submission. Yeah. No, but you know, when life seemed full of possibility mm-hmm. and the pieces of your life were not locked into place yet, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. know, you know, you didn't know who your partner was going to be or maybe what your what your career would ultimately be and then who also know you now um, and love both versions of you and that sometimes those friends can be a real bridge to help reconcile those two different selves especially Mm -hmm. if they don't entirely uh overlap which i don't think they do for everybody um they can be you know real touchstones and that was the challenge you know uh, in writing a book like this it's not only creating the individual characters within the Mm -hmm. friendship but then creating the friendship what does that friendship feel how does it feel lived in and time worn and um you're right they do sort of you know they're trauma bonded in a way so they they um recede into old habits and the way they (laughs) deal with each other like you do with your siblings yeah to also behave like 22 year olds and uh you know and the, and the scene yeah. like? I'm sorry the scene at Craig's uh at his funeral on mm-hmm. is, is it his on the boat is it his mm-hmm. funeral on the boat mm-hmm. yes with the mushroom <laughs> I was I was envisioning my college friend my college friend <laughs> and each of the bonds as you're like it's funny how you paired them each up in the conversations they had you can you can imagine those friendships in your own life too. You're like, oh yeah, this is like my friendship with this person or with this. It, it, yeah, you write them so real that it's very easy to see them in your everyday life too. Oh. They're just so well, yeah, they're just so well written. And on That's that really note- That's really great to hear because yeah. you do want the reader to feel like they're a member of this group too, that these yeah. are people you want to spend time with. Totally. <laughs> they have histories and, mm-hmm. you know, resentments and crushes and inside yeah. jokes. And, yeah. and, and to do all that and create all that in a way that doesn't make the reader feel excluded from this. Yes. Um, yeah. Something that's, you know, a challenge. And yeah. Hopefully the book is a lot of fun to read. It is. It brought up some memories from like college, like stupid things we did in college that we had. We had like a bathroom book that we would all write in. When uh-huh. we would, and it was stupid. We would draw comics and write like a bunch. It was really dumb, but it was fun. Um, but but it's the- fun. Yeah. And then the other thing that people remember about The Big Chill was its soundtrack. You know, that was very much a yeah. movie about, you know, this This book is very sort of Gen X. That yeah. movie so was very uh, about baby boomers. And so mm-hmm. their college soundtrack was a lot of Motown, uh, 60s music. Um yeah. This, you know, their college career was in the first half of the 1990s. So I've created mm-hmm. a playlist, Spotify playlist oh. you can find for each of the characters. So if you're ready to jam out oh. to some 90s uh, hits, um, <laughs> that nostalgia is such an important yeah. uh, element of the of the story as well. Yes, it really is. I when it goes back in like 1995 to 20, it was such, it's like the perfect window of time because like that encapsulates my entire 
you know, yeah. <laughs> post childhood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a perfect time frame for me. I don't know how everyone else will feel, but it was great. I'm curious to know what character did you have the most fun writing and who was the trickiest for you? Uh, the character I had the most fun writing was Naomi. I think she is one of her. those ones. I think, you know, perhaps in the first pages, you're like, why are, why are they friends with her? Yes. She, she is one <laughs> of these people who will strike at your insecurities before mm -hmm. you can, um, sniff out her own. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a defense mechanism and you learn, um, you know, the ways in which she's, she's yeah. wounded hopefully. But, um, you know, what I love about longstanding friends too, is you don't always have to be your best self. You know, yeah. they still love you. You can, you can be vulnerable. You can be a little messy sometimes and, and you don't have to hold it all together. Yeah. Uh, in front of this group of friends and they will still love you. And so she was a lot of fun to write. The character <laughs> who is the hardest actually does not appear on the page. And that okay. was Alec, the one they lost in college. Yeah. And I wrote, I actually wrote a lot of material on him knowing it wouldn't be in the book, but I had mm -hmm. to sort of figure him out to understand how he had the power to be the yeah. sort of glue to bring these people, to reunite these people decade after decade, um, even after he was long gone and, yeah and, so and you I get you he, kind of drop them in a little bit yeah like a little, little bit little, bits, little bits yeah yeah and as you and i remember i was as i was reading it because i had a similar feeling thinking like okay what what was it about magic that about character yeah. yeah what yeah. was the magic and i think we all have those we run into those people in life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then also understanding the secret at the heart of that too of how that is that was such a moment in time too in 1995 that was such I just yeah, think it's it's hard to remember. I think now, you know, looking back, like how yeah. how both uh, recently, but also how long ago the nineties were. Right. So you know, you hear all these <laughs> you know funny things like, um, well, you know, you think about the classic example is the movie Home Alone, right? If cell phones yeah. existed, that movie would be five <laughs> minutes long, right? Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't exist, right. you know. Um, I wrote another novel called The Editor, which took place in the years 1992 yes. to 1994. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll walk into bookstores and it's shelved under historical fiction. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. um, you know, like, we're, yeah. like people wearing petticoats and driving stagecoaches. Yes. But, um, yeah. you know, it makes me laugh. However, you know, the first reunion of this group of friends and the celebrants doesn't take place in the first even 15 years, mm -hmm. I think, after college. And um, they were like, I think it's why don't they stay in touch right? more? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so it's almost 20 years. And, and I had to go back, back and think about, you know, before email, before cell phones, before mm -hmm. social media, it was much easier to lose track of your friends. Oh, yeah. You know, like you didn't have the ability to be in touch and to remain as close mm -hmm. as we do now, or, yeah. or at least sort of casually close. Um, shoot someone a text, hey, I'm thinking of you, or yeah. even know where they lived. You, know? <laughs> if, if you had a mailing address and you had a <laughs> landline telephone. If that changed, how did you, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, these yeah. are people who drifted out of their lives a little bit, but I love that they always come back together. Yeah. And I think that's true. And very um, specific to that time period too, because my roommates and I were all English majors, we all mm -hmm. were introverts. And so we very easily kind of drifted apart because <laughs> we're, we're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but the the advent of cell phones and all that technology made it a little bit easier, which is great. But yeah, yeah that's interesting. I, I was curious about the character of Alec because he is very much a spectral figure kind of, he follows them and he's always there, but he's not there. Um, that's, that's interesting. It's, yeah. Um, I, I was curious to know too, each of the, each of the funerals represents a type of death. To, I think in the story, you know, some are literal, some are figurative. 
Um, and it was very interesting. I think you did a good job kind of like a lot of them for some, not a lot of them, some of them are like ego death for some yeah. of the characters. Yes. And I think that is, we don't think about that a lot as part of mid-age, midlife, but mm -hmm. it's such a huge part of it. Or I think it ideally should be <laughs> yeah. that you're at that stage and you're starting to look at it and you're you're looking at yourself and your life and thinking, how did I get here? And you know, what's working for me, what's not. Um, and Craig was such a fun character to read because I had a hard time with him at the beginning. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I wrote down at the beginning, I just wrote typical white dude, yeah. <laughs> typical yeah. hetero, yeah. said yeah. like just everything white dude. And he just annoyed the crap out of me until we got to his section. Um, so I, can you talk to me a little bit about Craig and why it was important to have a character like him in there? Because he's kind of like a, you wouldn't suspect his character to remain in this group of friends, I think maybe. Yeah, he's the maybe. one who's I think most most like why why is this happening? Why do, <laughs> why are we keep coming back together? Like I, he's perfectly happy I think to lift himself mm -hmm. out of, of the group at at first. Um, I will say, you know, this is the first book that I've employed sensitivity readers for because you know, hopefully, mm -hmm. crafting a diverse group of friends, you want friends to, you, yeah. know, you want a group to feel an ensemble to feel as um, real and true and diverse as my own um, group of friends. Mm -hmm. um, I did not, however, I did not employ a sensitivity reader for the straight <laughs> white man, and I'm like, maybe I should have. Now, you know, I thought I had a no. handle on what straight people. Uh, no, no, I think it. Like. I think it's. I think it's yeah. the tone He's of it is a slower great. Burn. He's just a slower he, burn. And so you do want to hold back some mm -hmm. things and, you know, uh, you know, that's always the job of the novelist is to know yeah. what you want to include the reader in on uh, from the get go, especially when there are secrets, you know, yes. and there are secrets that are exposed over the years. And so do you want the reader mm -hmm. to know the secret? Um, and so, they're part of keeping it. Do mm -hmm. you want the reader to be completely surprised? In which case you have to do it in a way that doesn't feel like the rug right. is entirely pulled out um, from underneath them or that right. the secret is coming out of left field. So that's always the challenge, you know, with Craig, I, I quite like uh, Craig ultimately. Um, I think he's, you know, I think he's a very mm -hmm. interesting character but it's good to have a skeptic, uh, you know, in the group. Um, good to have someone yeah. I think who feels slightly outside of it and yeah. he doesn't necessarily see the impact of of um the these having these living funerals until mm -hmm. until he's able to have um his own and so i think it's a real forced on him but yeah, growth. yeah. <laughs> as it is but it's a real mm -hmm. you know opportunity for growth yeah um, for him and ultimately he becomes one of my uh one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah, same. And I think like I think you start out feeling like, ugh, like here we go. I know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you get to the point. And that's true for all of them. I think you could say the same of Naomi. Craig and mm -hmm. Naomi's care their conversations in this story are <laughs> some of my favorite. Just their back and forth yeah. is some of my favorite. Because it does feel like you're with your friend, like you're with your friends and you're, yeah. I, you know, yeah, but it, you know, <laughs> college, we talk, you know, specifically about college. And again, you don't, ha they just don't have to, you don't have to have a group of your mm -hmm. college friends your own to relate to this story. Hopefully any, any sort of longstanding group can yeah. substitute, but sometimes the weird thing about college friends is it's, it could be something like a housing algorithm that assigns <laughs> yeah. you, you know, that yes. like, yeah. these are, you know, but your friends based on proximity, really, mm -hmm. you know, you're living on the same dorm floor, or, you know, you all have the same yeah. major or something, you know, like, yeah. sometimes it can be that random. And so it's mm -hmm. not like a highly curated, cultivated uh, group, yeah. uh, in terms of we have the most in common. 
Right. Sometimes it's circumstance that you have in common and then you're stuck together and then it's history that you have in common that keeps you, you know, coming back. And so I like the idea that some of these people aren't always the most natural fit uh, (laughs) friend group, but yet it doesn't make the, you know, being part of it any less important to them. Yeah. Yeah. The humor in it is so true to life. It's so good. And it it does make you feel like you're in the friendship with them. I, I do love it. Um, I, I just, want to say to you, I'm so grateful for your stories because I think you write human stories very well. Um, And I'm grateful too, because I feel like human stories that are, that balance both the light and dark side, um, Mm -hmm. especially in this realm of contemporary fiction, I feel like the balance isn't always on. You know what I mean? Like it's not often it can be too far one way or too far the other, or the attempts at the humor can be a little bit like flat or just not feeling this book. I get like, as you said at the beginning, I think there were pages where I would start off and I would be tearing up because they're saying such beautiful things to each other, things that you would love to hear about yourself when you need to hear them. And then somebody cracks a joke, (laughs) (laughs) says something and it lightens the mood and it just is, it's just a, such a good balance. And I, yeah. it's, oh, and in that way, I feel like it's a perfect read for this period of time, not only like season summer, but this post pandemic where we're all at kind of, it's such a good story. And I just oh, want to say thank, thank you. you. So much. It really is, you know, in terms of craft, it's something I take very seriously, you know, mm-hmm. the business of humor, it's very serious. Yeah. And so, um, you know, sometimes you can uh, write one or two many jokes uh, for a scene and it, it takes the air out of what you're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish emotionally. And likewise, you can go too long without giving the reader to have the opportunity to, to take a breath yeah. you know, through a laugh that yeah. can wait a scene, you know, <laughs> perhaps more seriously than you intended. And so um, finding that balance is, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, something you, that I always it, concentrate on in my work. It brought back to me, I'm just going to tell this one last story really quick, and mm-hmm. then I'll say thank you, and I'll let you go, because I want to just thank you for your time. But this reminded me of this story. Back in 2020, my mother-in-law died un- unexpectedly. It was quickly, um, and it um Later, we were at her funeral. It was kind of um, in the midst of the pandemic. Everything was really mm-hmm. nuts, but we were still at the point where you could have a funeral. <laughs> she died in January of 2020. Okay. So it was before everything kind of blew right. up. But And we were at her funeral. And my niece, who was probably about 13 at the time, was in the back and she was having a really hard moment. And she just kind of lost it. And I went over to her and I hugged her, hugged her and I just put my arms around her and said, I know like this is it's so hard. And she, through her sobs, she looked at me and she said, that's what she said. And, <laughs> and I humor lost is it. Always the way through. Humor yes. is always the way through. And what reminds us that um, you know, yeah. that life is worth living. And hopefully yeah. it's what happens when good friends get together. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it it reminded that this book reminded me of that moment, which just filled my heart with such with all those emotions, the joy, the sadness, the closeness, the all of it. And that's what this book is, I feel like. It's like 
it's a well-told joke at the moment when someone is sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. wait, hold on. I'm gonna get my publisher on the phone. I wanna put that quote specifically yeah. on the uh, Jackie yeah. copy. It's so, oh gosh, cool. it's so good. So thank you so much and thank you for the book. And I just, I love it. And I'm excited for whatever comes next for you. Well, in, this, in the spirit of telling people uh, how much they mean to you while you can, yeah. thank you for this beautiful yeah. conversation and the opportunity to uh, chat today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll be calling my all my college friends and, and we're going to be setting up our living funerals because I actually thought of, like this would be an amazing thing to actually do. But yeah. Listen, <laughs> if, if people read this book and were inspired to um, to do something, you know, it doesn't have yeah. to be even that formal, but just pick up the phone and, and tell yes. someone um, that they love them. Then, you know, that would be an incredible reward as a writer. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something awesome you remember about them from when they were 22 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and still full of life. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen. I really appreciate right. it. Thank Have you a good too. day. Right, Thanks. Bye. You too. From the people who sell you actual books in a real-life indie bookshop comes a podcast all about books and the love of reading. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Aaron's Books.